Uh, today it's Swamp Boots 2. <laughs> so, um, and, and the idea is um, the mire. In, in the scripture, you know, there's a song we're stuck in the miry clay of sin. And the scripture, there's a number of scriptures that talk about mire. And it's referring to, uh, like the psalm says, deliver me out of the mire and let um, me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me. So whenever we're thinking of the mire, you know, and the muck, um, most of the time it's, it's, not, it's not literally referring to muck and mud. It's, re, it's talking about hatred and bitterness and, and being caught up with things that are just um, not a good place for us in our spiritual life. And in our, our, it's our old, uh, it's our human nature trying to carry us through garbage, you know, carry us through the, the times uh, of, of being stuck in the mud over people, what they may say, and events, and downturns, and upturns, or whatever. Some people feel good when somebody else does bad, and some people feel bad when other people do good. I mean, you know, <laughs> so the mire or the muck that we get stuck in is um, something that we need to uh, keep ourselves secure in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so whenever we are wearing our swamp boots, we can remind ourselves that uh, we are walking, uh, we're not going to allow ourselves to get stuck and lose our shoes. Amen? Amen. Did, Terry, I didn't ask you this time, did you, did, were you able, last week he found that, that uh, video of those uh, mountain sheep. Do you have it? Remember I talked about, there you go, there's these mountain goats. Watch this. No, wait, watch. Yeah, I remember seeing that years ago. I mean, I must have been a kid when it was on Outdoor World or Wide World or something or other. But to, you know, to imagine that going down two sheer faces and the idea that the Bible says um, in the Psalms that um, we, the, he would give me, oh, Psalms 18 says, it is God that giveth me, girdeth me with strength and make my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet. And setteth me upon the high places. So setting, you know, making our feet like hinds feet or like the mountain goat. Being able and being secure enough to take the jump. <laughs> I mean, you know, what courage, what nerve it must take for those animals to just take a jump, you know. Um, we, would, we would think, uh, that'd be, if somebody tell us to do that, we would never think of jumping over and jumping back, you know. <laughs> we just think, oh, it's all over. We're trying to fly. But um, whenever we think of secure, again, hinds feet, thinking of secure footing, we think of mire, thinking of things that are able to get us caught, stuck, um, somewhere that we can't get out of. 
Galatians talks about, Galatians chapter 5, I didn't give this one to you, Terry, but uh, it says, The wrong things that sinful self does are clear. Committing sexual sins, being morally bad, doing all kinds of shameful things, worshiping false gods, taking up um, part in witchcraft, hating people, causing trouble, being jealous, angry or selfish, causing people to argue and divide into separate groups, being filled with envy, getting drunk, having wild parties, doing other things like this. I warn you now, as I warned you before, the people who do these things will not have part in God's kingdom. So the mire that we are making sure or seeing ourselves being taken care of are all these things that would get us stuck in our life. You know, um, getting bogged down. So there was a a couple of... uh, videos about um, this one, this one um, was it? caterpillar bulldozer. It was clearing land, and it was on top of a marsh. And whenever it was clearing land, it sunk. <laughs> and it had been there for like 45 years, down in this, down underneath the ground. And so the people, they were going to try and find it, so they went out and they were boring holes and getting down. And sure enough, a couple of feet down, it was all this marshland, and they found this old bulldozer, pulled it out, and got it running. (laughs) But the idea was it got stuck in the miry clay. And whenever the Scripture is talking to, to us about being stuck, it's talking about being angry or jealous, jealous or selfish and um, dividing and separating groups and, you know, having wild parties and, uh, you know, these, all these things that are places or addictions, things that cause us to lose our sense of spirituality, where God is trying to take us. Notice that whenever we, we see these things that are listed there, those things that get us stuck, that the opposite of that is that we are free in God's spirit. That God has prepared a place for us. That God has anointed our life. That the spirit of God is upon us to do good things. To be the image of Christ and the voice of God here in our world and, and around us. And so we all have this responsibility to continue to grow. But always whenever we see the, this idea of sin, which sin gives you this false conception, well, you've got to go there to have fun. You've got to do this in order to be socially acceptable. But in these things, they become very addictive and consuming, and they are stuck. They are in the mire uh, of, of sin. And, and they, you just get stuck and weighed down. But Jesus Christ, we are on the solid rock. We are on a firm foundation. We have a place and a person in Jesus Christ who has given us the abilities that, to go forward with his promises. That what he has promised us to be is not where we're at. It's not over. We haven't achieved. We're still achieving. We're still growing on in our relationship with God. God has, and so there's a freedom in our soul there's a freedom in our thoughts of, in our life where we, can, where we can branch out and accomplish the will of God and the purpose of God. So there, there is no miry clay. There's no, for, the, for us, for the child of God. Now, we have difficulties. 
we have things that go wrong. You know, this week I was reading about um, New Orleans. And <laughs> you know, with, uh, I guess it was a topic on, uh, because of, uh, what is that they have before? Mardi Gras, that thing, yeah. And, and I was reading about how that when Hurricane Katrina came in, how that the place was all flooded and 40% of New Orleans is below sea level. Okay, and I thought, now. And then another thing that I thought was a little odd, um, the generators for the pumps and the generators in some of the hotels and, and uh, hospitals are in the basement. So here you've got a building below sea level, and so you put the generator that's going to run electric for this whole, you put it in the basement. Okay, all right, so... I won't go any further about being somewhat lacking insight. But did you know that when New Orleans was started, it was basically a swamp, and that it was above sea level? So about, oh, 1880, 1890 or so, well, they began, they wanted to expand. Well, there's just swamp, so they were starting to build canals or had been building canals and erecting... Um, dikes for them and you know to keep out the water well about 1910 1915 somewhere in there they uh, were able to invent these massive pumps that could pump out the water at a, at a very high rate and so they were draining the swamps and they were creating land for the for the expansion of new orleans and then when hurricane katrina hits everybody's wondering why is the city underwater? Why is it below sea level? When it started out in the 17, late 1700s or late you know, 1800s, that it was above sea level. Well, they knew that the city was sinking. <laughs> and it was sinking because they were pulling the water out. The very thing they were trying to do to create more land was causing the land they owned to sink. Because there was, a, there was a, the, the, the water that wasn't coming up through the ground, but there was water underneath the city. And when they pulled the water out, it caused the fabric of that soil to decay, and the city literally sank. So 40% of the city of New Orleans is below sea level. And you have these dikes in order to keep them free of uh, water and the place filling up again if you know if the di if the pumps go out <laughs> the water comes in now in our life I was thinking of how that in our in our faith sometimes we get so wrapped up in <laughs> I remember one one person called me oh it was a long time ago years ago says can I be your secretary and I said well you know I said well I, I don't really don't Renard's big enough to have a secretary. And I says, well, why do you want to be my secretary? She says, I want to work where there are no sinners. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's a nice idea, but I, if you find that place, you let me know. <laughs> she said, I, I just, I'm just tired of being around sinners, you know. <laughs> I thought, okay, but I don't think being in a church is going to keep you immune from sinners, you know. But, yeah, and I think sometimes in, in people's lives, they create this place 
that is a very good place for them to, to live, and it's above, you know, it's secure, there's sound footing, there's rock, the solid rock, Jesus Christ. But whenever they keep pumping out all the, you know, sinful humanity and sinful this, and, and you know, Christ has come to save the world. <laughs> and we are his witness to the world. And the, the challenge for us is not to separate ourselves from, from anything that is sinful. Now, in our actions, yes. But our inner, you know, we don't make the, uh, the worst sinner our best friend and we spend 24 hours a day with him. No, that's not what it's saying. Uh, but he's saying that we, we never stop being a witness to the people around us. And some people pump out so much of the world around them there in their own little island only to find out that their island has sunk. And if they don't keep up all their barricades to keep the sinful people out, they become overwhelmed with life. Jesus didn't build the barricade to keep evil people out. He gave his life and evil people took it. <laughs> but they were only able to accomplish the will of God, not, not to hinder the will of God. And in our life, we can't create a place where we are totally, you know, put up the walls. Put up the walls to keep ourselves safe. Well, building walls to keep ourselves safe end up being prisons. <laughs> our, our life is about serving, and our life is about giving, and our life is about loving. Our life is about creating peace where there isn't any peace. And, you know, getting over, helping, helping ourselves or other people get over strife. And, you know, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. You can, you know... <laughs> You can hate people all your life, and what good does it do? It only makes you upset. <laughs> you know, Jesus forgave. He came, to, he came to forgive us of our sins, to wash us, and that we might be clean from, the, from the, the sin effect of our nature, and that we could walk with him, and it was the will of God that everybody be saved. It's the will of God that we have the presence of God with us, and in his presence, that I'm facing and dealing with life. You know, what we don't face, what we don't deal with, doesn't get done. And if we don't face the difficulties in our life, we don't handle them. God gives us the strength to handle the difficulties, the difficult places, the difficult times, so that whenever we have every right to get in the mire of bitterness and, you know, to try and set somebody right in their thinking and, you know, we get stuck in that mire of being better than or worse than or we get a place where we just kind of get stuck because we're always focused on something that is wrong. And we need to focus on what is right. What is right with the world? What is right? What does God see here? You know, Jesus, John three seventeen. we don't often read that one, but Jesus came not to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Our mission is not one of condemnation. Our mission is not one of separation. Our mission is one of presenting Christ to the world, to the people around us, because Christ has made a difference in our life. He has washed us. He has chained, changed us. He set us free. And so we don't want to get caught, stuck in the miry clay. We don't want to be stuck in bitterness and envy and all that kind of garbage, and it just keeps us sloshing around. You know, in the, um, the olden days, meaning the New Testament time, 
they used to, they didn't build granaries. They dug holes in the ground. And uh, they would dig holes, and then, you know, they would have an opening, and it would go down a couple of feet, and then it would spread out from there and make like a, a jar under, underneath the ground. And most of the time, <laughs> it would be, be dry, and they would put their grain in there. They would store their grain in these places. Well, when they didn't stay dry, they became muck and mud and useless. So sometimes they would put people in there for prison. They even did that to some of the prophets. They would drop them into the mud. And, you know, there's nowhere to lay down. There's no, all you can do is stand in the muck and mud. And being in the mire. Well, our life is not being stuck in the mire and stuck in the mud because our spiritual life has a, has a power to it that is greater than the power of this world. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And knowing that enables us to look at the life that we live and know that the truth, the truth of God's word, establishes us on a solid foundation no matter what happens. We've been studying the book of, starting the book of Revelation on Wednesday and the book of Daniel in Sunday school. And they both talk about God being in control and has a plan the whole way through. So no matter what goes on in our world, no matter who's up or down, the stock market up or down, we are safe in the Lord Jesus Christ. God has everything under control. And at some point in time, he's coming back and we're going to heaven. And all these prophecies do not establish a calendar. They establish security. That I am secure in Christ and God has brought all of this and he's, he's behind all of these difficulties and he will take us through. So as we find ourselves learning and that's where I was going to in um, one of these scriptures here where am I at Terry Proverbs I believe yeah there it is Proverbs 12 <laughs> you wouldn't know why I'd become confused <laughs> I mean you know I, I just write all over and color and every time I go through I write more stuff and whatever and it's just me if I have a plain piece of paper, I can't, I can't preach. <laughs> you know, you just put the scripture down. I can't do that. I got to scribble everywhere. Well, anyhow, Proverbs 12 says, if you love learning, you see, you see that you, we can't have faith unless we know what we believe in. Okay? We have to know what we believe. You know, I, I, sometimes when we watch those uh, Disney, you know, that one Frozen and whatever, those Disney things, they're always talking about believe. Belie believe in what? And, and it's challenging because children will believe and they will believe to the point of believing in nothing and eventually they're going to find that there is nothing there with that belief. And in our life, we need to know what we believe because there is someone who is our belief. You see, Jesus, it says that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus is the beginning and ending of our faith. He is the beginning. He is everything that our faith is. And the more we know of Christ and the more we know of his word, the, the, the more belief, the greater our belief can be. 
That's why we are, we believe, you, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So we've got to learn what the word of God says and to learn the application of that word to our life. Because we believe in miracles. Why? Because God says so. <laughs> he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what he did 2,000 years ago, we can continue to do. So being able to believe is being able to know what the word says. And Jesus is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. So the more we know of God, the more we know Christ, the greater our belief. If you believe, you're believing the scripture, you're believing the truth of a text, believing what Christ has said, you're believing the word. Now, if you love learning, verse 12, chapter 12, verse 1, if you love learning, you love the discipline that goes with it. Oh, about love and discipline. <laughs> Do you love discipline? Well, sometimes I, th I think a discipline is you did something wrong and you're being disciplined for doing something that you shouldn't have. Well, this isn't that type of discipline. This discipline is, uh, it is associated with getting up every day and going to work. That's a discipline. That you are, you know, you do the right thing for the right reason. It's a discipline. So the discipline of learning is being able to every day set aside time to read the scriptures. You love the discipline of learning about Jesus. That's why you're here. <laughs> the discipline of going to church. The discipline of being here is because we have an expectation God is going to meet us and that we do this not because it's a routine, and as a kid, you know, we had to. <laughs> you know, I always said, to, well, uh, one, the uh, Brian uh, in uh, Wisconsin, I think he's Wisconsin, but anyhow, he, he told me he loved my idea of, of, of having a drug problem whenever I was a kid, you know. He was being drugged to church Sunday morning, drugged to church Sunday night, drugged to church Wednesday night. He loved that because his mom and grandpa drug him to church here every week. <laughs> so the idea is that we have this discipline of being and, and, and being where God wants us. He says, you have the discipline that goes with what? You have the discipline that goes with learning. We are learning, we're learning to believe. We're learning to have faith. You see, <laughs> if I promise you something, um, you have, you have a, do you believe it if I say it? Well, you know, it's like, well, I know pastor pretty well and he wouldn't lie, so uh, I believe that he'll do that. Well, when we know Jesus Christ and we know what his word says to us, and we quote that word, we are believing in the character, the person of Jesus, to fulfill the promise that he has spoken to our heart. So we can believe in healing. We can believe in God opening doors and closing doors. We can believe in the strength of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the, you know, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the We can believe in all that because we know the person who said, ask and ye shall receive. We believe in the person of Jesus Christ because his word is correct, it is true, and it will never fail. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
I am he that was and is and is to come, the revelation. You know, he is all of these. And so as we understand and grasp who Jesus is, and we understand that the Holy Spirit speaks to us, not in a voice, but in a, in a, in a pricking of our conscience, don't say that. Don't repeat that. Don't be divisive. Don't lie. If it's not good, it's not the truth, don't say it. Don't go there with that person. You see, because we, God knows our weaknesses and he knows the mire that we can get stuck in. And he, he's given us <laughs> uh, swamp boots <laughs> so that we don't get stuck in those things. It's like we're testing it out, and you know what? I could get stuck here, but I'm not going to be stuck here because I got the boots. I got, the, I got my feet shod with the gospel of the preparation of peace, and I can get out of this because I'm at peace with God and I'm at peace with myself, and I feel a very uneasiness about this, so I'm not going there. So you see, a good person basks in the delight of God. You know... <laughs> When I was reading these few scriptures, it's like, okay, when we think of basking you know, in the sun, it's pretty nice when the sun comes out and it's warm, right? Yeah. How many people say, wow, the sun's out, and it's not too cold? You go, what do you do, God? Wow, it's, it's a nice day. We bask in the sun. You know, it's warm. You know, we kind of feel, wow, this is good. Well, basking in the delight of God is that God delights in us. He delights in you. He created you. He created you. He created your personality. He created his plan for you. He created all these things, and he put them in you, and he wants to bring the best out of you. He wants to bring the spirit, his spirit, bring life to the, to the talents that he has placed in our hearts. And it doesn't matter what we're doing. There's no comparison. God doesn't compare us. Scripture talks about being a doorkeeper in the house of God. It's better to be a doorkeeper in the house of God than, you know, anything else, being the king. Because God's plan is for this. And when we do that in delight and basking in his presence, we find that there is fulfillment. <laughs> and God wants nothing to do with devious schemers. Underhanded tactics to get ahead. People who have underhanded tactics to get ahead. You know, sometimes when I'm watching my westerns <laughs> that I've seen for a hundred times, uh, <laughs> Rondo will tell you. Uh, <laughs> when I see them, and some of them, there's the, there's the bad guy. There's always a bad guy. You know, there's always, they got a good guy and they got a bad guy, and the good guy wears white and the bad guy wears black, you know, and, and he, wears, he, he rides a black horse, the good guy rides a white horse. I mean, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious. Well, when the, the guy in the dark is scheming and underhanded, and it's just like, I get angry. <laughs> Sometimes even turn it off. Because I don't like schemers and underhanded people. <laughs> And I think that that's the spirit of God. You know, you know, it's just like, you don't need to watch that. I mean, it's, it's nothing, you know, it's, it's obvious. There's a good guy and there's a bad guy. Bad guy's got to be bad. Good guy's got to be good. And, you know, God wants nothing to do with devious schemers. 
You can't find firm footing in a swamp. That's where my whole title came from. <laughs> you can't find firm footing. Say that a number of times, Glenda. <laughs> March Mission's madness is nothing compared to find firm footing in a swamp. But life rooted in God stands firm. See, the truth of God's word is the foundation of our faith. We stand upon the rock. We understand what the scriptures are saying to us. He, you know, in, in Revelation, it talks about he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Hear what the Spirit is saying. You see, God speaks to us by his word. You know, it's not something crazy. It is, it's, it's the word of God speaking peace and speaking direction. And when, whenever we're uneasy and it's not working in here, it's, it's often because we're trying to get into the muck. <laughs> and God is saying, don't go there. Get out of that. Get over here to your peace again and, and find peace and keep in peace. Stay in peace and let my word be in you richly. And so we discipline of reading the scripture of praying, asking God to be with us. Hmm. And we try to drain the swamp so we don't have sin in our life. We find, up, find ourselves being swept underneath by a hurricane. And it's, a, it's always a woman. It's a hurricane. It's not a hemicane. <laughs> Just kidding. You save your cards and ladies for later. <laughs> My time is up. Okay. We'll I'll have Swamp Boots Part 3. Uh, no, but I... Uh, I was going to do about Adam and Eve in the garden and how that the serpent promised Eve, said... The, the, the woman said to the serpent, oh, okay, do, do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? Evil knows how to misquote Scripture. And that has been one of the great downfalls of, of individuals in their faith because the discipline of learning the truth, it takes discipline. And to learn what the truth, the truth of the word, the truth of Jesus Christ is, is to know when the, when the devil is misquoting, when evil is misquoting what God has promised or what God has said to do or not do. And, you know, and Eve says, well, that's not at all true because he, he, you know, we're allowed to eat any of any tree except of that one over there and we're not allowed to eat it nor are we allowed to touch it. <laughs> Expanding the word didn't know exactly what the word said, and they made it something that it wasn't. And the, the last thing, and I'll quit with this. When the woman saw that the tree looked good, like good eating, and realized what she could get out of it, that she'd know everything, she took and ate of the fruit. That is the same temptation that comes to every person going to look good, going to feel good. It's going to make me more than what I am. 
Every temptation falls into one of those three categories. When she saw the tree, it looked good. And it says, she, it, as the tree looked like good eating, going to feel good. And realize what she would get out of it, make me more than what I am. Every sin that leads us into the muck and mire of sin is in one of those three categories. And so the discipline of reading God's scripture will help us know the truth of what God is saying to us by his spirit in our hearts and our minds and our, our daily walk and our love and our forgiveness and how that he will move in our life because he has a plan for us. Because he loves us. He loves you that much. So we go through the difficulties. We keep praying. We keep believing. But you know, we're safe in knowing that we stand with Christ. He stands with us. He is in us. We are in him. And you can ask whatever you will. He'll talk to you in here. He'll guide you by his word. Amen? Let's stand. You know, the, the last part of that situation is uh, when God came walking in the garden, Adam and Eve hid. <laughs> and and God, God says, well, well, where are you? Well, they were lost. <laughs> they were lost from the relationship that they had with him. It isn't that God didn't know where they were at, but they were lost in their, in their sin of disobedience. And one of the things is that they said to God, you know, we're naked. And, and, and God says to them, who told you? Who told you that? And you see, they had misquoted and misunderstood. They had walked with God but still didn't comprehend who he is. They walked with God every day. God came down to cool the day and the evening and they walked with him. But they still didn't grasp the, the relationship they had. The devil will do anything and everything to get you to, die, or to get you to believe you're not good enough. That you can never be better than what you are. You have failed. You have done this. You have done that. And God comes to us and says, who told you that stuff? God didn't tell us that. God told us that he can forgive us, he can restore us, that he can mend the brokenhearted, he can heal the broken lives, that he can heal the broken hearts. He, he can say that all things will work together for good. Paul the apostle, the Saul of Tarsus, had Christians killed. <laughs> and he became the great apostle Paul. And he says there, forgetting those things which are behind. The devil would come to him and try to remind him of his past. He said, I have to forget those things because God has saved me, changed me, and I'm walking with him now. Who told you those things, those lies? The discipline of learning the truth. Stay out of the muck. Don't believe that you're stuck in some sin, in some hole that you can never get out of. Who told you that? God would never tell you that. Father, we thank you for your spirits. 
We thank you for your love, O oh God, that heals us and restores us, heals our broken hearts, and God gives us hope and direction even when we feel that there is no hope or direction. God, you are there, and we thank you that your Spirit speaks to us through your Word. God, we are forever changed. God, we are in your book of life. You have a place prepared for us. So, Lord, we are in the mission of living for you each day. We ask your anointing upon our lives, upon our words, upon our families. Keep us safe, O oh God, in your hands. And we will thank you, Lord, for every little thing that you do for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.